Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Series 11 of Doctor Who. Series 11, that's a lot of series. It is. And that's not even including the old series, that's just New Who. The ancient series, it hasn't. (laughs) Did you also notice the amount of energy I brought to saying my name this week? I did, that was excellent. Do you know why? Because someone said that based (laughs) off on how you say your name, it gives them indication of how much energy you're going to bring to the podcast. Exactly. Who was that? I can't remember if it was Liam or Sean. Somebody associated Somebody in our D&D group uh, made that comment. I was like, very accurate. So now I'm going to mix it up because I'm extremely tired (laughs) and now they're going to be confused. Two weeks running, had to wake you up from a nap (laughs) before we started recording. Uh, Yes, I literally woke up to Broad in my room, (laughs) standing over me. It's a beautiful sight to wake up to. Um, Just like we talked about last week, I do want to bring up uh, the start of the show. We are doing a special holiday or Christmas-themed episode of Mm -hmm. the podcast before the end of the year. We're going to be discussing um, our favourite and hopefully your favourite holiday-themed episodes of television. So if you have a suggestion, um, something you'd like us to consider to talk about, we're going to talk about hopefully four, five, maybe six episodes of television if we've got time. Um, if you've got a suggestion for something to talk about there, please send us um, your suggestions. We've got a couple of things already we've mm. decided on, but um, always I was trying for to input. compile my list today. Is it quite long? It's so hard. I just can't choose because so many of the, my, well, my favorite show has about five or six. I think we need to make a rule that <laughs> we can only have one per series. I know. That's why I'm struggling. Because I'm definitely taking one from Community and I've already decided which one it's going to be. Because it was hard because there were at least two. I hope two it's the one like. that I want to watch. Is it season two? That, no, no, it can't be. Because uh, I want the claymation one. The claymation one, season two. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah, thank cool. God. That's what I want to do as well. I've already watched that this Christmas so season. If that yeah. was your suggestion, listener, don't worry, <laughs> that's happening. Uh, cool. Uh, but if you want to do that, please send it in to our email or to our Twitter handle or contact us in some way. But let's get to Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic or a suggestion for our holiday-themed episode, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. No news in full this week. That guy's going to winter hibernation, I think. R.I.P.? We have been asked by Hannah Dallas, who's been on the show before, to discuss two things. Number one, and this is the headline, comes from Jenny Singer at Ford.com. Lena Dunham apologizes 
Admits she lied. For her existence. Oh, <laughs> if only. Admits she lied, discredited, alleged raped, rape victim. Do you know much about this story, Damask? Close my eyes and shaking my head. Yeah, you um, you sent me the article earlier in the week. I did. And I was oh, so angry. I still am angry every time you bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to make you angry. Um. What a piece of shit. Well, let's get into the details a little bit. Just a couple of paragraphs here from um, Jenny Singer's article. Mm. Lena Dunham has apologised to the actress Aurora Perrineau, uh, I believe how you say it, whose account of being raped by writer Murray Miller, Dunham has disputed in a public statement in November of 2017. At the time, Dunham wrote that insider knowledge of the switch situation made her certain that Perrineau misreported quote-unquote, the assault. In the apology letter published in The Hollywood Reporter on Wednesday, Dunham writes at length about her own sexual trauma and admits that her claim of insider knowledge, quote-unquote, uh, that would exonerate Miller was made up. How do you feel about this? Angry. You've already said angry. Here's the thing. If you have called a rape victim a liar on an international platform... yeah. And you're like, you know what? I should apologise because I am was full of shit and I'm a terrible person. You know what you shouldn't do? Try and make yourself the victim. Exactly. <laughs> Kevin Spacey, her talking about being gay, <clears throat> that kind of shit. It's yes. like, it's yeah. not the fucking issue at all. Yeah, as women, <clears throat> we've all been assaulted. Hello. Not the point. You did a terrible fucking thing. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Also, I hope you lose your job. I hope your life falls apart because fuck you. Has like, ha- why is she allowed to continue? She's such a terrible person. She's in, like, has been in a place of privilege her entire fucking life. Has, like, been under this, like, mantle of feminism. It's all fucking bullshit. She doesn't know what the hell she's talking about because she has lived such a privileged life. She's, she's Just a pri- get rid of her. I, I'm so sick of that, her bullshit. She's a prime example, I think, of white feminism. Oh. We do know about white feminism, right? Um, this sort of version of feminism that exclude- as a white woman, I can say we're the second worst, <laughs> second the worst, absolute second worst. Um, yeah, there's a once upon a time I sort of was a supporter of Lena Dunham. I I watched Girls for a couple of seasons. Mm. I tried to to like it. <laughs> I think I understood where people were coming from on it. Mm-hmm. I think there was this idea that it was somehow this really biting critique of like. Uh, but it was sort of real, but also a bit of a parody of like mm. privileged white, of white women. women. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> turns Ridiculous. out, I don't think that's what it was. No, I think, I think it was totally sincere and yeah. like, yeah, we struggle too, guys. When, I think that's what it was. When Lena Dunham put herself <laughs> in that main character role as mm. Hannah, I think she really just thought she was telling her story. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think that's true now because oh. she has done so many things along the way to. Prove that she is a horrible person, and she this is, is just the latest person. example. And I'm with you; she needs to be cancelled. Like just, Lena Dunham, we in all the not bin. make mistakes, blah 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 blah. But like the amount of damage that she just continues to cause is just no longer worth it. So just take away her uh, her platform; that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, the problem is, as long as she keeps doing shit like this, she's going to get a platform because it's sensational, you know. And you know, maybe we're part of the problem because we're talking about it. But the mm, yeah, well, I'm not going to watch any of her shit. Neither am I. Um, yeah. So far. I don't even know what it is. That's what I encourage us all to do. Just don't watch her shit. A good idea. Good idea. Especially anything. Yeah. Just good idea. 
So the other topic that Hannah Dallas wanted to talk about, not mm. Hannah Horvath, Hannah <laughs> wanted to talk about uh, was the sort of big little big story that was evolving around Kevin Hart and the Academy Awards. Mm. So the news was that Kevin Hart, after a long search, will host the 2019 Academy Awards. That lasted two days <laughs> before there was a backlash. Mm. So this is a follow-up article um, from William Hughes at the AV Club. I'm going to read a few paragraphs of this one as well. Well, that was fast. It was just two nights ago when we reported that the Oscars had finally found someone, anyone willing to host them this year in the form of certified movie star and comedian Kevin Hart. That's also roughly how long it took for people who'd been following Hart's career for a while now to note that he used to have a pretty bad habit of tweeting out jokes with anti-gay sentiments with folk like Billy uh, Eichner, is that how you say his name? Mm -hmm. And Dave Holmes highlighting a number of comments Hart made on social media to that effect from 2009, 2011, all of which have now been deleted, but include sentiments like, quote, yo, if my son comes home and tries to play with my daughter's dollhouse, I'm going to break it over his head and say in my voice, stop, that's gay. End quote. Per The Hollywood Reporter, Hart also did a stand-up routine in 2011 about needing to nip it in the bud after his three-year-old son had a gay moment, quote-unquote. Hart has now responded to said criticism in the most PR-friendly way possible, a rambling, shirtless, black-and-white Instagram video in which he talks about positivity, growth, and defining, definitely not apologizing for whack shit he might have said when he was a a young but still movie-starring comic at the tender age of 31. (laughs) Uh, Any thoughts on that so far? Um, I mean, yeah, it's homophobic stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he should hold the Oscars because I don't think he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, yeah, it, it was ages ago. I don't honestly, I don't really care. The so that was an interesting thing about this, right? Mm. Before we get, just I'll just summarize what happens. He then went on to say that the Academy were asking him to apologize. He then, within twenty four hours of all this happening, I think, quit the Oscars hosting gig. Basically, stepped away and said. I'll actually read his full tweet. I have made the choice to step down from hosting this year's Oscars. This is because I do not want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing, talent, amazing talented artists. I sincerely apologize to the LGBTQ community for my insensitive words from my past. I'm sorry that I hurt people. I am evolving and want to continue to do so. Do so. My goal is to bring people together, not tear us apart. Much love and appreciation to the Academy. I hope we can meet again. Uh, and at this time of recording this episode, the Academy uh, doesn't have a host and maybe won't even have one, uh, apparently. Uh, So, yeah, as you were saying, um, it was a long time ago. And this reminds me a little bit... It wasn't even just like it was a long time ago. I don't know. Like, he's... Sure, he's probably homophobic. Yeah. Should the Academy have... I just feel like the onus isn't on him. Like, he's probably a homophobe, whatever. Why did the Academy... The Academy should be like, oh... You're fired. You know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be up to him to step down. Because um, I like... I, yes, I mean, that's I'm probably... Sure, I think I'm that's sure, probably what was going to happen anyway. I'm sure he's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm really sorry and stuff. But, like, if that's what he believes or believed then, like, whatever. Uh, yelling and screaming at him or about him isn't going to change the fact. Nor is it going to change the opinion of those who believe those things. I just think, yeah, I kind of think it's up to the Academy and they should have... You know, done their research a bit better. It's it's a, it's an interesting situation because it reminds me of the James Gunn stuff a little bit, where he w- had posted horrible, horrible 
pedophilic jokes mm. basically a while back and then those came out of nowhere that stuff he's actually apologized before and got him fired off Guardians of the Galaxy 3 basically mm. um, which we got on here and talked about being completely unreasonable and ridiculous mm-hmm. especially because he'd made such a big deal of trying to distance himself from those comments apologize for those comments make up for those comments well I think since. that's the big difference here yeah is that is, is the it, apology is it James Gunn was like and ages ago, before it was really of any consequence to his career, he was like, oh, that was that was shit. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, whereas Kevin Hart's like, waited until what now? And he's like, oh, whoopsie. And then kind of given a half apology and then realized he's going to lose the gig and then given an apology. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not sure. When it says the tweet's deleted, what the thing I haven't looked up is whether they were deleted a long time ago or deleted recently. Mm. This might be something he's tried to move on in some form or another anyway. The thing oh, that was, if that's the case, then who cares? Well, the thing that's interesting as well is he, as much as he said he didn't want to do it, he so the, the Academy was trying to make him apologize mm. and he just sort of wanted, you know, people to give him a break or whatever. Mm. Once he did step down, he did give at least somewhat of an apology. Mm. So it's like... That wasn't seem to be that hard, but he also is. I know it seems like it's weird because yeah, he whether he's the right person to host the Oscars in the first place, maybe not. Academy did a bad job of doing their research, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, if he didn't step down, it's every likelihood they would have got rid of him because they don't. They've had so much controversy with Oscars so white and stuff like that in the past. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like they just want to try and sterilize everything in a sense, mm. try and make it a clean, um, completely sort of scandal-free Oscars. There's so many different parts to this that it's just kind of, I don't know, it's a, it's a massive waste of time and energy, this whole thing, I think. Yeah, I think so. And also, when are the, when are the Oscars? Uh, January or February normally. Oh, so they're shit, coming, they're really oh, soon. No, they, they're, not, they're not far away. That's the thing. They That's need to funny. have someone locked in pretty soon because- All right, I'll do it. <laughs> That's fine. I've got no one else I've got the some moment. tweets to delete, actually. <laughs> but that's the, yeah, that's the thing. The idea that that someone can have- yeah, I'm not saying that he was too young to have known better, but taste change, the world changes, comedy has changed a lot, mm. I think, in the last five years probably since these tweets were out. Mm-hmm. Can someone grow and be and change and you know, separate themselves from that that past life? I think it of we have to can. accept they can. Yeah. There's a lot I I've seen Kevin Hart comes up a lot on my Twitter feed. I don't think I follow him, maybe I do. Um and he seems generally to be a pretty positive person. So you'd think that if he apologised for this stuff, we should be able to accept that and move on. I think so. Um, yeah, I don't. Th- I honestly don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think he should be hosting the Oscars? No, because I don't think he's funny. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with homophobic you, tweets from five years ago. Well, there's a lot of discussion about hosting the Oscars. Mm. Do you have any suggestions for who should? Oh, Samantha Bay. Uh, Samantha B would be great. <laughs> I'd be up for would that. Love her to do that. I don't know. It's if I could sit down, I'm sure I could give you a list of about 15 probably women and people of color that could absolutely do it. Yeah, yeah. I just want to. It's most likely their Twitter feed would be fine. Yeah, compared to men, particularly white men. Almost definitely. Yeah. Uh, and just to, on the record, obviously those tweets are gross and awful and damaging. In fact, the ones that are in question about Kevin Hart. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's complex and it, the yeah. whole situation is just really messy. Yeah. I, I think the more that we like try to define things in like this black and black white, black and white yeah. way, it's 
kind of dangerous unless you're Lena Dunham, then fuck you. <laughs> Damask, what do you have for us for Off Topic Hot Topic? So you and I just watched the True Detective Season 3 trailer. Correct. Now, of course, Season 2. This is trailer two. number two, I should say. There oh, was, was one it? earlier. Oh, yeah. was it really? Yeah. Okay, we didn't watch More that one. More of a teaser, but yeah. Right. Now, we haven't watched Season 2 because no. it was universally panned for being truly dreadful. So yeah. it's like, well, what's the point? The first season was so, so good. So it's a bit of trepidation when watching the season three trailer. But, oh, oh, wasn't it good, Brod? I really like it. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. It's obviously straight up. Mahershala Ali is... Mahershala Ali, great actor. Love mm-hmm. everything I've seen him in that I can think of. I uh, still haven't seen Moonlight. Bad guy. Bad ooh, person. really? Yep. Moonlight. Yeah, Moonlight's excellent. Um... So I'm excited for that. He was great in even Gallian? Luke Cage. <laughs> in what? You said even, and I said Gallian. It's <laughs> a oh, great joke. Anime <laughs> jokes. Uh, he was even yeah great in Luke Cage. The I really was do he like, in that. Yeah, he was the. He, yeah, he's in it for the first half of the first season. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. when it was good and then it got to- <laughs> awful. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Sorry, yeah, I blocked exactly. it out. Uh, and the the style of the show that gothic. Sort of American Gothic detective series, Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic, mm. thank you. Is I, I, that's something I loved about the first season? Yeah, me too. so much. And so to see that style, and to see it seems to be very a focused story. Mm-hmm. To see sort of the narrative um, twist they seem to be going with here mm-hmm. in the trailer, the sort of the little hook mm-hmm. they've got is really interesting. I'm really sucked into that already. Because I'm like. I'm very much into the, these true crime podcasts at the moment, which is always fascinating, like yeah. looking back at a crime with all the details that we have now, sure. which is, I guess, what from what, what I can gather in the trailer is what this season it is doing. It's be... looking back on a crime, which ooh, looks good. Well, I mean, the first season did that to some degree. You saw mm. they, you know, the, the older versions of the two detectives in, yeah. that, in that interview talking about this case that happened a decade ago, whatever it was. Um and then this one, yeah, you're right, though. They're commenting on, like, true crime reporting and stuff like that, which we've, you know, obviously talked about with American Vandal and with Making a Murderer, which we discussed last week and so, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. It's very much in vogue. There's a tiny little commentary on, like, um, true crime podcasts in the Halloween movie as well. Oh, so really? to get to this point, we're starting to really look and examine that phenomenon in our... Media is really interesting mm. as well, and I like I like if that angle if that angle was a big part of Detective True Detective season three. I think I'll be really into that. I can't wait until the biopic of Hunting Seasons comes out. <sighs> it's going to be a fascinating story of us sitting in front of a TV watching TV. Well, if they go and back then far enough, us it's going sitting to be... on my bed talking about TV. <laughs> it's going to be a moving story. If they go back far, far enough in our history, though, it's going to be a season of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> And still a lot of TV watching. <laughs> there was a lot of TV watching years, there too. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, so, uh, True Detective Season 3 showing up uh, on HBO January 13th. Looking I'm forward excited. to that. We are planning to watch and review Season 1 and 2. Oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess, yeah, we will be watching Season 2. I feel two. like we should do it for the sake I of... I think it'll be funny. It'll be yeah. context. It might be excruciating yeah. Yeah. too. All uh, right. Well... Yes. We also watched another trailer this week, didn't we? Did. we? The old Avengers Endgame. That's what it's called, right? Yep, correct. Cool. Um, yeah, so I think as soon as it started, I became rock hard, <laughs> fully erect. The moment it started. <laughs> that first Tentpole, image. I was like, oh, Iron Man's mask, yeah! Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I talk when I watch 
any kind of Marvel trailer. Sure. Uh, I just got a real dude, bro. Um, moving stuff. I'm very once well, obviously with the erection it tells you I'm very excited. Yes. I'm very excited for it. Um I just it'll I don't know if I'll ever tire of Avengers films. Yeah. Like some of like the other like standalone films. I could take it or leave it. Yeah. But with my with my Avengers. Oh, as long as well, I was about to say, as long as Captain America's around, I'll be watching them. Don't know if that's a guarantee. Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> as soon as I had the thought, I'm like you fool, Damask. You fool. Um, no, what were your thoughts on the trailer? Yeah, really good. The I think it's just the right amount of to show. I think a lot of people, you mm. know, who are commenting on it were saying, I mean, if we're if Any we more like and I would have blown. It, no, it's more that it feels like it's probably taking mainly from the first three minutes of the film, mm-hmm. and that's great. Yeah. In fact, I'm I'm of the belief that much like the Force Awakens when it came out, they didn't even need a trailer. You mm-hmm. could have just gone. Star Wars Episode Seven. This is the date, and like people would have gone to see that. Millions mm-hmm. of people would have gone to see yeah. that film. And this film's not far off by just sort of saying, "Here's a little sneak peek at how everyone's feeling after the event of the last <laughs> film." Show zero action, like yeah. zero anything. Perfect. It's like that's that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. emotionally, you just reminded me where I should be feeling and why I need to be seeing this movie. I might avoid the rest of the trailers. I'm not even sure. I think we might only get one more anyway. I don't think they're going to do crazy because we're what comes out in April and it's December now. It's not that far away in the grand scheme of things. Mm. There'll be God There'll be one more, yeah. God knows that it. the after credits scene on Captain Marvel will tie into it in some way as well. Oh, I forgot about Captain which Marvel. Which will set things Ooh, in. And, when does that come out? Uh, that comes out in March, I think. For my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So that like that's going to be enough, I think. Mm. But yeah, no, I like I like what they're going with. I like the tone. I like some of the imagery they've taken directly out of the comic as well, particularly uh, Thanos' armor on a scarecrow. Mm, is I did say that. Right out of the comics. Like Very massive. iconic image. That he's one. He's a big boy. He is a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's my hot takes on it, guys. How do you feel about the title Endgame? I hate it. You hate it. <laughs> I don't like it. No, because um, like Endgame to me. Has always been something else, which is like with your OTPs or also known as your endgame. Sure, people. sure. And so I just think of that. I'm hey, like, ooh, who is my endgame? Maybe in the it's Avengers? Stark and Rogers. Maybe that's the endgame. Look, as long as I get to see them make love, that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. The because endgame was the rumored one. A lot of people thought based off because they the 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 stuff coming out of the Russo brothers was that it was set in Infinity War. So everyone's like, well, mm. that bit from Doctor Strange where he says Endgame is going to be the title. Right. They flatly denied it, much to a lot of reporters. Oh, so they're liars. They are, are they? liars. Oh, yeah. liar, yeah, liar. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, which was an interesting discussion to see people like- Feel yeah, betrayed? <laughs> reporters feel like they're being lied to them and they, they feel like they've been made to look like idiots when they report that the Russos have told me it's not Endgame. Oh, boo-hoo, it's all part of the game. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. It's all thing. part of the fun. But then when Endgame came out, the reporter that reported that got a bunch of attention for like being the guy that said it wasn't Endgame and it was. And it's like, <laughs> you know, he, he all of a sudden his integrity and uh, is under question. But is it? Because then he's like, well, they said, no, it wasn't. And therefore, it's not un- that You can say anymore. that, but then people accuse them of lying, that that interview was misrepresentative, whatever uh, it might be. No, fuck off. It's like if your kid is like, did you get me this for Christmas? You're like, no, I didn't. Because otherwise it ruins it. It ruins well, the fun. That, 
what is if it, you're going to pose what, the question, you it, know they're not going to tell you, so why ask the question? But what does it ruin, though? Like, what does... Because that was the thing. For a long time, they said that saying it's the title... It's always exciting to find out the title of the film. Of course it is. But to say they... Okay, one of the reasons they said they... You know they, they can't tell you the title, so why ask the question? The... He was setting himself up to fail. So, there you go. Meh, don't care anymore. They said that they couldn't say the name of the title because it would be a spoiler. Mm-hmm. That is not a spoiler. The title is not a spoiler. Yeah, no, that's not the reason. It's because it ruins the fun. That is, that, I, I think that's part, of, I agree with you that it, it is part of the mystique, the mm-hmm. marketing, right? Mm-hmm. To like. It's like when we find out like what a Star Wars film is going to be called. Totally. It's, 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 it's part of it. Yeah. It's all part of the building them. I think it's a dumb me. question to ask. Uh, yeah, I'm victim blaming. I, I liked, a few suggested Avengers Forever because it's the fourth one. I was like, I kind of like that one. I like that. I hate it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I assume it's spelled with the number four and then EVA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 You'd spell it F-O-R-E-V-A. With like a, just a love heart around it <laughs> on a, like a 14-year-old girl's notebook. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the other one I liked the idea was just called Infinity Gauntlet rather mm-hmm. than Infinity War since it's. I feel like it's like it's going to be about mm. getting or destroying the gauntlet. Just Infinity and Beyond would have been sick. Infinity and Beyond. <laughs> uh, I've only got one more thing to talk about. Mm. Uh, that is actually related to the Avengers. I went and saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I was lucky enough to go see an early screening of that over the weekend. This is the new animated spider film. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Spider film. Spider-Man <laughs> film from Sony uh, Entertainment, Sony Pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one centered on Miles Morales rather Ooh. than Peter Parker, one of the new Spider-Men. And uh, I'm here to tell you that the hype around this film is legit. This film is yeah, excellent. You loved it? So good. You loved it? It's mm. not perfect. I think it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. I could give really? that to Spider-Man oh. 1, I think. Everyone talks about two being so great. I think I prefer. I I have a very soft spot in my heart for the first one. Mm. I really liked Homecoming, but I think this one is really really excellent. Mm. And if nothing else, from an animation standpoint, so fucking good. Yeah, just it's just beautiful to see how um how much effort and care goes into each individual shot. Right, mm. the things they choose to do with the camera, the way they choose to show. Th- Things the way they choose to use the cinematic language to a whether it show and sort of represent Miles's powers or represent where he's at or just even to just animate things the way they do it's very psychedelic and very 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 cool. Mm. It is a spectacle to behold. It is so fantastic, yeah. and it's full of great characters. Go on. No, I'm just saying it's, it is very hard for me to take it seriously. What do you mean? It's just because like. My reference point for something like that is just ki- the Kimmy Schmidt thing, which is the musical Spider-Man 2, Too Many Spider-Men, <laughs> which is just like was a hilarious joke to me in Kimmy Schmidt. And now it's a movie that apparently people are taking very seriously and I'm, I'm very confused by it. Well, it's not without precedent. There is comic books. I'm sure, um, I'm sure. But the, like Kimmy Schmidt was my like, reference point. Sure. And so now that's all I think about. Well, the funny thing is, uh, the, the thing I worried about with this movie was that with so many Spider-Men in this film, <laughs> that it might get a little bit crowded, that mm-hmm. the story might be lose its focus. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, but considering there are so many Spider-Mans, there is... <laughs> Uh, spider persons. Spider persons. Actually, probably better mm. if we if we say it that way. That the story <laughs> is very much Miles's. It's yeah. very much Miles Morales' story. It's an mm. origin story for him and sort of how he became 
He's Spider-Man. Maybe I need to watch trailers or something just to kind of like watch Have you my- not seen the trailers? No, I haven't watched it. What? I, don't, I haven't watched anything about this. The only... My context for this is through you. I don't know anything about it. Before we do... <laughs> Our season review. I'm going while we take a break. I'm going to get you to watch the trailers because okay. they are so fucking good. Okay. I, oh, multiple trailers. We're going to sit here and watch. Yeah, there's three, and you're <laughs> okay. going to watch all three of them. Okay. Um. So, oh, I don't even want to say anything anymore until you've um, seen. This seems wrong. Maybe we should just cancel this episode of the podcast and just spend the rest of the night watching Spider Man's. Spider Man's. <laughs> no, but it is truly excellent. Great score in there as well. Um. Yeah. The the weakest point is probably the villains a little underserved in mm. this, but considering there's so many heroes to talk about it's spider-man's and spider-women's to talk about it kind of um i i don't blame it too much it 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 works well enough it's just obviously undercooked compared to a lot of the other things Mm. that are in there man it's a great film i cannot wait to see it again and i cannot wait until i can have it at home because a it's gonna be beautiful on my um uh, OLED, but also mm-hmm. because it's one That's, of those films... We've now got a new drinking game on the podcast. <laughs> every time, every time brings, you mention your new Every time TV. I bring out my 4K OLED TV, <laughs> LG C8 or whatever it is anyway. Um, What's LG C8? I think it's the name. I think it's the brand. Uh, you know mine's a 4K OLED, right? It's not OLED. It is. It's not OLED. Who's it? Who makes it? Sonic? It's definitely not OLED. It is. It'll be LED. There's no way it's OLED. No, it's not LED. How how much does it cost? Oh fuck, I can't remember. Give me a ballpark figure. Like a thousand? No way is no it way. OLED. Not even not a chance. How big is it? Is what well, is there something that's with UH? Ultra it can be ultra HD. Oh, okay, that's, that's what I mean. 4K. Then. Okay. Totally fine. Okay. <laughs> totally fine. Totally okay. totally makes sense. What's OLED? OLED. Oh boy, we're getting into tech <laughs> tech talk now. So OLED Now broads are X, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. The difference so LED TVs, right? Mm. I may I may delete this from the podcast. The L- <laughs> LED TVs are the individual panels, right? And so each pixel, you know, uh, or the three pixels are turned on to a certain amount to give you color. Uh-huh. But the actual light that it emits comes uh-huh. from lights that are behind it, mm-hmm. right? So the problem with that is it blacks like there's no really black blacks, mm. um, and so that the lights behind it. This is me trying to explain this without knowing the technology well enough. <laughs> but basically, you just yeah, the lights behind it mean the light that's coming through really affects the picture in a, in a mm-hmm. way. It's like how you see if there's a black screen, you can still sort of see the screen is on. Does that make yeah. sense? Because the light behind it's on. Mm-hmm. So with an OLED TV, each pixel pixel is its in, own individual light as well. So that means that. Say there's black, the pixels in that area are just completely off, meaning oh. they are completely black. So right. say there's like, say I'm in the dark, there's no other lights on the room, mm-hmm. and the, like the Netflix logo comes up, it's just the red in the middle. It just looks like in the dark, the oh, red letters cool. floating in midair. It doesn't look like the the whole. That's exciting. Why beautiful. haven't you invited me over to watch a movie? Oh, we will have to do that soon. There's some. Gr- I've got soon. some beautiful. Di- uh, Coco, Spider Man, amazing Spider Man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't have that one yet. Um, but then also, uh, you just sort of get brighter, brights, darker, darks, better okay. colors, all that sort of stuff. And with 4K, they have this thing called um, HDR as well, mm-hmm. high dynamic range, which just means there's more of a difference between your blacks and your brights. And it's gotcha. like things are a bit more photorealistic, but also tend to pop a bit more. Mm-hmm. So 
the reason Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse would be so good is just because it's full of colour and it's just going to be like, it's going to dazzle you to watch yeah. it on that screen. You're lucky you don't have epilepsy. Yeah, true. Don't actually, Incredibles 2, if you have epilepsy, that's a that's a tricky one to watch. There's some <laughs> scenes in that where there's a lot of high flickering going on. Um, I think that's just movies now for people with epilepsy, poor things. True. But the reason, other reason was because I think it's going to be one of those films that once you can stop and pause and go frame by frame, there's going to be a lot of detail and stuff in there. In fact, there was one Easter egg. Broad. No. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. Go on. Are you telling me that you as a person... Yes. ...with like a really full life... No, no, no. You not, live a happy life, right? No, I just mean that when... Do you I'm, stop it? You stop pretty movies and go frame to frame? Not frame by frame, but if like... <laughs> say I see something, I'm like, oh, I want to know what that detail was or I missed that thing that was, that was written there. It was obviously something there. I can pause it. Mm. Go back and just look at that I'm bit. Worried about sure you, you've never done that before. You've never looked. You've never stopped. I know what you're saying, but I think you do more than that. What do you mean? I suspect. Do you think I watch the whole film <laughs> frame by frame, each individual frame every time? And you're every time you're like, Steph, get in here. Look at these blacks." <laughs> I don't mean from a picture perspective. I just mean that's why I want to take it home. I want to yeah, be able to examine it closely. I quite enjoy that version of your reality. Where you're I, screaming I def- at poor Steph. I definitely to- have re like started a scene and gone, Steph, come here and look at this. Watch this scene. <laughs> this is amazing. Mm, and I'm sure her face lights up. Oh, yeah. She, she loves it. Loves She's like, it. They are some blacks, bro. Well done. One more thing before mm. we move on, though. There, uh, I've talked in the past about my movie going experiences recently. There was the couple that was talking, mm. snoring, packing stuff up while we mm-hmm, were there. Mm-hmm. Last week, I talked about Creed 2 mm-hmm. and how people had their mobile phones on. Mm. So, movie's about to start. It's. So there's two people sitting next to me, mm-hmm. a man and a woman. <laughs> As the like the Sony picture logo is coming up, this woman is on her phone, right? She puts mm. that away. So what does she do instead? She opens up her laptop what? and starts typing on her laptop. What? <laughs> I'm not even fucking kidding. <laughs> and I was like, I was looking at my brother who was next to me. I'm just like, this is ridiculous now. <laughs> This is getting ridiculous. Of course this is happening to me. Why did she have a laptop? I don't know why, but she she did she closed it within about 30 seconds. Like Good. it was before the movie really started proper and she put it away and she didn't bring it out again once. Not even Good. the phone actually. <laughs> That's pretty good. But though. fuck, for a second there, I was just like You've got to be kidding me. I was like <laughs> reading myself to like, do I have to tell this person to shut their fucking laptop in a cinema? Is that what I've come to? I also, is that what the world the is The only thing that could possibly be in which you need to quickly type something is an email, which then asked me like, why can't you do that on your phone? Why can't you do it not at the cinemas? <laughs> no, see, I wait for like a day when I have a lot of important emails to send <laughs> and then I go into the front row of a cinema. <laughs> I thought it was oh mm. man it would just I could I was but like, I take my what? like desktop computer and set it up <laughs> <laughs> anyway it was it wasn't that bad but That's fu- pretty for good, a though. second I was just like this is ridiculous and gonna make for great podcasting I can't wait for like the escalation in your life <laughs> next can, time it's gonna it be worse? like someone takes out their new OLED TV <laughs> <laughs> next to you in which you'll be like actually keep it on those blacks baby <laughs> <laughs> better than cinema screens anyway. That's right. Ah, very nice. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Doctor Who Series 11. Let me clue you in. Season in review. 
Doctor Who is a British science fiction television program produced by the BBC that first aired on November 23rd, 1963. The show follows the adventures of a humanoid extraterrestrial being called The Doctor, who explores the universe in a time-travelling spaceship in the shape of a blue British police box called the TARDIS. After 25 years in the air, the show was originally cancelled in 1989, but was revived in 2005 and has continued with original continuity intact ever since. 13 actors have headlined the show, explaining explained in show as the doctor's ability to regenerate into a new incarnation when their current body is too badly harmed uh, to heal normally the latest season known as series 11 of the revived series or new who is uh, helmed by showrunner chris chibnall of broadchurch fame and introduced the 13th doctor played by jodie whittaker the first woman in the iconic role the doctor is joined this season by three companions played by bradley walsh tossin cole and mandip gill and a parade of guest stars including lee mack Mark Addy and Alan Cumming as King James I. Series 11 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 51 minutes, and took us approximately 8 hours and 25 minutes to watch. A special festive episode is due for release on New Year's Day, with a new season proper not arriving until 2020. Damask. Yes. Uh, what's your relationship with Doctor Who? Are you a fan of the show as existed for a while? What have you mm-hmm. watched? What do you know about it? So when the new Who started, I watched it on TV as it was coming out. Um, so that's the Chris Eccleston years? Eccleston years, mm-hmm. indeed. Or year. This was one season. Yep. Um, yes. And then I dropped off a little bit just because Australian television can be confusing and I just didn't know um, what it was back on. And this is before streaming kids. Um, you may not remember those times. Um, and then I eventually got back into it, um, consumed it, marathoned it. Um, this was back, I think, this was still in the tenant years. Um, and then, yeah, I've just watched it ever since. Although I have not, I think I watched maybe two episodes of the Capaldi right. Doctor. But other than that. So that was I the have, 12th Doctor. Yeah, but I haven't watched his stuff. What about you? Sure. Uh, yeah, Doctor Who was one of those shows that a lot of people told me I would like for a long mm. time. When the New Who, New Who came, well, I should say, the original old stuff used to be on the ABC, mm. um, sort of around 6pm. So, after the kids' programming had finished, they'd often be... It's like it was always the black and white one. The black and, and white like, ones. Not interested. But like it kept restarting mm. around the William Hartnell years or you'd maybe mm. lead into the second or third Doctor. It's like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh. Restart again. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And so that'd be on, and you'd I maybe half watch an episode here or there, but I found them pretty dorky and stuff and had no real interest in them then. Mm. And then, yeah, when New Who started, I had a lot of people telling me that they I would really enjoy it. And it wasn't until I t- I've told the story a few times to different people. I was working at a bar, I was at uni, I was working at a bar in Melbourne. It was a really slow night, there was no one in. So I'm literally just flicking through the TV until I can close the place. And an episode of Doctor Who was starting. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll give this a go. Mm. And the episode that I watched was from series four, which is the one of the Donna Noble seasons. David Tennant oh, was the doctor, mm-hmm. tenth doctor. My favourite years. And it was the episode Forest of the Dead, which is the second half of a two part. So I actually missed the first half, mm-hmm. but I was watching the second half. And I watched it and I got to the end of it and was like, holy fuck, that was so good. <laughs> like, could not get over how good mm. the show was, how interesting its premise was, how sort of scary interesting the monster was but then also they had this story of the doctor was such an interesting character and there's this like so this is an episode that involved a character called river river song which is essentially in this episode he meets someone who says i've known you for a very very long time but Mm. i can't tell you why because Mm. it's in your future yeah and this complex sort of 
relationship that creates in a moment when someone knows you, but you don't know them. And I was like, this is fucking fascinating and cool. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to watch it again next week and see if it's cool. Still, if it's still just as good. The next week was an episode called Midnight, which is basically a bottle episode that takes place inside a spaceship that's bu- space bus, basically, that's not moving with a really creepy alien. I was like, this is awesome, this show. <laughs> At which point I basically finished that season and went back through each, into se- each season from there. So I'm one of those people who doesn't like Rose very much. You haven't watched Eccleston stuff. I have haven't you? watched all of Eccleston stuff, right. but I've watched all of Tenant stuff. Mm-hmm. I went backwards. And like, yeah, I'm one of the rare people who doesn't like Rose very much because mm-hmm. I still went backwards to the series and I was like, Rose is a little overrated. And then um, <laughs> fight me. And then... Hey, Donna's my favourite as long as you don't say anything. No, Donna, her, Donna's fine. great. And then, um, yeah. And then I remember when Tenet was leaving, how awful that was. Very emotional. Never get over it. What I wanted to ask you before we start our review, mm. do you have a favourite doctor? Yeah, Tenet. Tenant's your favorite. He's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, totally. Why tenant? Why is tenant your favorite? Um, because I love his relationship with Donna. Yeah, it's the best, unparalleled, the best what friendship. A, what about so the friendship of it? The friendship and that particularly that um, iteration of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, I think, it, well, it might spoil it for a review, but I'm getting there already. Yeah. But um, it, that version needed someone to be like, pull your head in, mate. Yeah. Which was great. And they had like this kind of like really fun but also antagonistic kind of friendship. And I just thought it was really lovely. And that Doctor was so tragic. To have that balance with Donna was really good. And they they grew to really love each other. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I, the, the, the pathos, the tragedy of the 10th Doctor is really drew me in. Sure. And mm. so Donna's your favourite companion as well? Absolutely. And I f- tried to find like good mer- Donna merch. doesn't exist. Oh, none. It's awful. No, you're and right. And I don't that know why because she is the best. Mm. The best. That's anyway. a good point. Yeah, it's awful. Mm. And I just think Catherine Tate's amazing. True. Who's your fave? My, well, I was going to say, <laughs> I, when I started, because I started with Tenet, I was convinced that like no one would ever beat Tenet. Mm. And when he left, it was like, this is the end. It'll never be as good again. Who's this in bed for young days. idiot? Basically, <laughs> who's this young whippersnapper who's coming into the eleventh Doctor? Matt Smith never heard of him before. There's no way he'll be any good. Mm. I got to the end of his first episode and was it? I was like, Tenant who? <laughs> I How dare you? loved loved Matt Smith from the get go. Mm. And while his seasons are very up and down in terms of quality, episode to episode, I think he'll always be my Doctor. I mm. think I really. I know I said that about ten at the time, but. I really love the version he brings. I love the quirkiness. I mm-hmm. love he has a lot of it's funny because you say Tenet's full of pathos, but I think the balance between the sad and the mad sort of side of things in the eleventh I like a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um I really liked his sort of big story arcs he would have as well. The things get really timey wimey, wibbly wobbly in that series as well. Um and then I liked his... I don't think they're necessarily as good as Donna Noble, but I did like Amy and Rory in particular. Mm-hmm. I, Rory is an undervalued character, I think. He's a great companion. Yeah, I, I love really Amy. Like, I think she's great. And, and Amy's great as well. Um, yeah, just so many of my favourite favorite Doctor moments. I've got a couple of specific things in mind. Like, mm-hmm. just watch every now and again when I just want to want to feel something. Yeah. Because he just really brings... The, he just never, ever was... Never put in a bad performance. And neither did Tenet, mind mm. you. I don't know. I really love Matt Smith. I think that's what I love about Doctor Who is that, like, depending on who you are, really is what you 
um, gravitate to in in your doctor, sure, whoever, whoever it might be. And there's no like wrong answer. It's Definitely just not. yeah, what you are able to connect to. Absolutely. Mm. With that in mind, mm. can you please give your spoiler-free review of Series 11 of Doctor Who? Absolutely, I can. Okay. So, straight off the bat, ultimately, I think it feels a bit messy. There are too many episodes f- that finish with me going, wait, what? You forgot to get me to care. I think this season will be defined in my mind as a season of unrealized potential. It is foggy. It's ill-defined. The theme of family, while present, feels forced quite a bit of the time. The character of Graham is without a doubt the standout of the season. His character is worthy of our sympathies from the beginning, and he does have a clear journey. While it isn't always handled with a deft hand, that story certainly towers over the rest. Doctor Who is at its best, in my opinion, when its companions are fully formed. The Doctor is such a great, big, grand idea of a soul that he or she can be almost impossible to grasp sometimes. That is until we are able to connect with him through his connection with his companion. As we were saying earlier, my favourite Doctor is the 10th, and that is largely because of Donna. I will never get over their friendship, ever, and you can't make me, but it made me see the humanity and tragedy of that iteration of the Doctor. And the friendship also brought in a much-needed sense of humour, you know, like I said earlier, Donna told him to pull his head in, and it was fantastic. The 11th Doctor is so manic that he's almost a blur, but his relationship with Amy and Rory makes you love him. It's special to watch this seemingly untouchable and incomprehensible being love his humans, and it makes the journey fun and meaningful. Our companions this season, minus Graham, feel flat. They feel very flat. I care a little about Yaz, but I think that's just because she's a nice person (laughs) from what I can tell. But I don't really care about Ryan at all, really, in the slightest. He is so flat, he's practically concave. (laughs) There are a few episodes that I enjoyed, but most couldn't compete with the call for me to not look at my Instagram. In fact, more than once I fell asleep during an episode. That's not good. This season was fine. It was fine. I don't know how else to categorize it other than it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my review. What about you, Rob? Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts. And <laughs> I am... Uh, please interrupt me, basically. If you've got a thought about anything I'm saying here, I yeah. kind of want these to be open for discussion, any of these points yeah. I'm making. Please right. add to this. Of mm-hmm. course, we, this mm-hmm. is spoiler-free. I'm going to do my best to keep it spoiler-free. Mm. Okay. So, I want to start by saying that before this new season started... Um, we had Stephen Moffat. He was the previous showrunner mm. through the 11th Doctor, through mm-hmm. the 12th Doctor. And yeah, let's all... talk about some history here. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. and I was a Stephen Moffat apologist for a long time. <laughs> but by series 10, I was ready for a new showrunner. Mm. It was time for some fresh blood. Chris Chibnall taking the reins didn't get me excited immediately. I liked season one of Broadchurch, mm, one of his previous shows. Season. Quite like that a lot. Season two, not so much. I'm um, yet to watch season three. I liked maybe half his previous Doctor Who episodes because he has written episodes before. Yeah. Difference to Moffat, where Moffat, I think I'd liked every single one of his previous mm-hmm. episodes. When he was announced to be showrunner, I was like, that's the man to do it. Yeah. He's bringing fresh, bold ideas to Doctor Who. Yeah, it was exciting when they were bringing him in. You're like, yeah. Absolutely. And I think he fulfilled that for a while and then it just sort of, it started to just. It's a big, overwhelming show to maintain great quality. Absolutely. And he maintained it for a long time. And I think a lot of people, because maybe he overstayed his welcome. I think he did overstay his welcome a little bit. How much great stuff 
he brought Stone. I think there's a lot in there yeah. as well. Uh, Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, on the other hand, had really got me excited. For such a mm-hmm. progressive show, it was crazy that every unca- incarnation of this time-traveling, shape-changing alien had been a white man. This was a good move. My initial reactions to the series, to series 11, were pretty positive. I wasn't blown away by the first episode, mm. but there seemed to be an obvious mission statement. Introduce new people to Doctor Who. Our hands were being held, and that can be a bit frustrating for veterans, including myself, but maybe this is exactly what the show needed. I think it's fair to say the show had disappeared up its own ass by the end of the Moffat <laughs> era. <laughs> It was time. That's so accurate. It was yeah. time to get back to basics. And that, again, as someone who's a bit of a Moffat apologist, maybe it was time to yeah. just sort of restart, reboot things. Mm-hmm. And episode one did exactly this stripping the show back to its individual parts, serving as a soft reboot, and introducing just a few elements at a time. There are aliens. The Doctor is an alien and has two hearts. She has this all-purpose doohickey called a sonic screwdriver and she can regenerate and recently has. There was no time travel or even Mm -hmm. the TARDIS made into that episode. In the episode that followed, more and more elements were introduced, including learning what the Doctor is all about. For example, brains, not bullets. However, as the show went on, my feelings changed. Mm-hmm. While some things were working, a lot wasn't. Mm. Certainly Jodie Whittaker was. Mm-hmm. I have some thoughts on how the Doctor has been handled this season that we'll have to wait for our spoiler discussion, but there is no doubt that Jodie Whittaker has jumped into the role feet first. She's yes. quirky, dorky, cheeky, and a little bit mad. All things you want in a Doctor. I like her, and I hope we get a few more seasons with her yet. Mm. The companions, at a conceptual level, sort of work. They bring interesting ideas with them that are rich with story potential. However, how much of that potential is actually used? I'd argue not a whole lot. 5%. 5%. <laughs> More on that in spoilers. I agree with you though that Graham is definitely, yes, without a doubt, the highlight. Out. Tonally, this season is darker than previous seasons. Uh, that has advantages and disadvantages. One criticism laid on Stephen Moffat was that nobody seemed to die in his stories, meaning actions felt inconsequential and kept the stakes low. Well, if you're uh, up here, so you're waiting for a higher body count, congratulations. The season opener alone might satiate your bloodlust. Things get a bit heavier too. A few really gross monsters and some very adult themes and struggles shift uh, this away from kitty friendly and more into the realm of mature. But at what cost? For my money, this is just a less fun show. The energy is generally lower. The adventure and awe that made even average episodes of previous seasons a joy to watch is gone. Instead, we are left with something that feels, well, like it was made by the guy behind Broadchurch. Yeah, and I think like it's got this weird balancing on that note as well. You say, yeah, like people die, there are consequences mm-hmm. now. And yet, oftentimes the dialogue and the story feels so childish. The Yeah, it... For me, it reverted back to like, oh, this is a kid's show, but yeah. now they're also murdering people. It's totally weird. There's, without getting into it specifically, the show, I think this, the show has always had episodes about things, right? Mm-hmm. About themes and ideas and it's got things to explore. But I've never felt it necessarily preachy. And I think this season at times, while there are great episodes that are about big things and important things, it also just felt like its mission was more to do that than to actually tell it in an interesting way or use the characters yeah, in Yeah, it was like, can, you don't need to talk down to me. Don't talk like down that. to me. Exactly right. Okay. <laughs> which, yeah, which is what I mean by like kids stuff. Totally. Really. Mm. And this is also apparent in the design of the season, me talking about the darkness of the show. Mm-hmm. They're going for a cinematic look with lots of extreme close-ups and shallow depth of field. But after a while, it all became very samey and uninteresting. Unless, there was an out, unless they were outside, everywhere Team TARDIS goes is always poorly lit, drenched in shadows, often with blue and orange gel. Even warehouses, which 
have to be brightly lit so people can do their freaking work. <laughs> it makes things moody, but it's also really stupid. I'd rather have overlit cardboard sets and rubber costumes that showed some imagination than another moody interior. And don't even get me started on the action. Doctor Who has never been famous for incredible choreography and impressive stunts, but this season reaches a new low. Every single action beat is slow, stilted, and tedious. In the past, we'd expect to feel a sense of danger and often some emotional stakes that drew you into what was happening a little bit. This season had nothing. No flow, no style, no anything. Ultimately, though, the most disappointing thing was that this series was never able to find that next level. Mm. Again, I'd like to talk about this more in spoilers, but there are some truly amazing episodes in Doctor Who's archives. I mean, it has some truly awful episodes too, but (laughs) that's the risk you take with experimentation. This sense of nothing is off the table has given us some truly mind-bending, emotionally resonant ideas and stories. Series 11 never gets past the base level of what Doctor Who is. There are some highlights, especially in the historically themed episodes, Mm. but nothing seems to push the boundaries or even approach the boundaries the way that Doctor Who is a uniquely placed to do. This is the show that can do anything, and I mean anything. It is built on the foundations of change, evolution, and growth. Sadly, this season is stuck walking the most well-trodden paths of the show, taking no risks, just playing it safe. Doctor Who can't continue for another 50 years going through the motions. Here, here. What is your score out of five stars, Damask, this season? Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Mm. Um, it's fine. <laughs> I think it's I think the rest of this podcast is just going to be me saying, saying it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> what are sure. you giving it? I'm giving it a three. I was yeah. tempted to give it a 2.5. That's a little unfair. It, well, I, that's the thing. I'm like, yeah, compared to like what I want out of Doctor Who. Yes. It's low, but compared to like a lot of shit in the world, it's a 3.5 for uh, me. I, I, mm, I, you, you mentioned that you were falling asleep in episodes. I think there's some truly unmemorable Nothing episodes. Not even. Mm. Not even bad. They are just flat. Was the word you use? I yeah. think there is no better word to describe it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a place Doctor Who, time traveling alien thing, should ever be. How can it be? No, I agree. Flat. I agree with you. That's a real. That's a. I would rather you went down in a. You know. I think there are seasons of Moffat era, for example, that you can look at and go, that was a pretty. That had some bad episodes, but. They were trying for something. They were they were attempting something. Mm-hmm. There was fun to be had in that, or in that weirdness, mm-hmm. and that will always mean do more for me than. Mm, yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. Mm. So I'm going to give it a three. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Uh, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning! On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Series 11 of Doctor Who. Although we'll try to avoid major spoilers from the previous 50 years of the show, we still recommend watching all of New Who up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Let's talk about the best episodes of the series. Let's start with a positive note. Mm Mm-hmm. I really thought that in a lot of ways the historical themed episodes this season oh, were the best. They were the ones that I was actually paying attention in. So Rosa, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was really well executed. That was the third episode. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, that was like, oh, okay, cool. This show, this is doing something. I, I had, I'd liked the first episode enough, though. I'll talk about my problems with that. A little bit later. Second episode, pretty standard Doctor Who episode, but, you know, getting the TARDIS and seeing the opening titles, I was pretty excited. Third episode, go do our first time travel episode. Rosa is a cool place to go. Pretty, you know, relevant sort of topic, important topic to be talking about mm, as well. Because I remember, like, I watched the first two episodes as they were coming out week to week. Yep. And then I, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of episode one. I thought it was fine. And I thought, like, it was a great introduction to the Doctor. Um, for a reset, I was like, yeah, cool, cool. Um, I get, I understood. Well, I didn't love it as a fan who already knew a lot about the yeah. Doctor. I didn't love it, but I understood its purpose. Sure. Then I watched the second one, and I remember in our like little group chat, a couple of you were like, oh, I much prefer that episode. And I was like, I did not like that episode at all. But I was like, oh, sure, all right, maybe I missed something there. Um, and then I just kind of like gave it a break. So I just kind of was like, oh, yeah. can't be bothered. And then I came back. This week, and then I've watched the rest this week. And episode three, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, maybe this is actually a thing. And I was very excited. And yeah, Rosa had had me feeling. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I liked, one of the things I liked about, so often it feels like in previous seasons, the Doctor or one of the companions would insert themselves into a historical moment, Mm -hmm. sort of make it about them. So to have the ending be, actually, we need to not Insert or something. It's just to try and preserve the way. Well, that's that the only way you out. could do that. Because obviously, when it started, I was like, "Please, Lord, do not." Because this is like a very important story. Yep. And in recent history, um, and also really still does pertain to a lot of things that are still happening yep. today. Very important story. You cannot remove the the strength and the heroism. Of Rosa and those around her. Yeah. Um. So I was worried that they would do that. I was like, they can't though. But you never know. Well, you never know if someone's going to fuck up something royally, and they didn't, thankfully. Yeah. No. I. I mean, there's the. I can envision a version of this where she goes, "Thank you, Doctor, for helping in some way or something like that." Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm. I'm glad that wasn't the case. That being said, there is this weird side to the way it does play out, where the white people just have to sit and watch while the black people fix their problems. Feels a little bit. Like that, the fact that they understood what was going to happen and mm. then couldn't help, while powerful because it did need to be Rosa mm. Parks' story, the the image of just a white person telling another pe- white person, just stay where you are, mm. <laughs> don't but do anything about this. You can't do anything but that because then it's a white savior narrative. I know, I agree, mm. but 
especially in that context, that historical context, it's exactly the right thing to do. Yeah. But just from an optics point of view, mm. I think it's an interesting thing to say. I think from an optics point of view, it would have been worse the other way around. Okay, yeah, sure, totally. sure, sure. I just don't want to. I don't want to. Rem- yeah. Okay. Don't want to remove because our you are white then- society's. Involve like no, 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 because then because that's then what you're doing is sure. that you are changing the narrative to being like, oh, white people were then the reason sure. that that was no. able to happen. You're right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, white people did not f- fix that issue yeah, totally. at all. It was people of color because white people are fucking gross. No, you're, okay, yeah. yeah, sure. No, I agree with you. You're right. Um, I just yeah, it just did occur to me that like I hope no one takes the wrong lesson from this, which is oh, we shouldn't try and. <laughs> yeah, so no. If anyone is taking away that lesson, I'm not sure they People understand think Walter humans. White's the good guy. It's like that, that's not a comparison to okay. make. I think it's very clear because we see in Graham how heartbroken he is yeah, to true. have to do that. True, true, true. But he understands the importance of letting Rosa do it. Uh, Demons of the Punjab as well. Mm. I thought it was very cool, mainly because I was just a part of history I was not particularly Education. aware of. I was like, I am learning shit. Same thing with the Rosa. It was like, obviously I knew about, you know, having to be at the back of the bus, all that stuff. I didn't actually know how that functioned. I didn't know they had to it, go to the front the and pay and then go back. It. And then they had like the little like coloured sign that moves back yeah. if like more white people get in. I didn't know any of that shit. And yeah. I, was, I was like, what? Oh, okay. That's actually, I'm learning some stuff. Same thing with the uh, demons of the Punjab. I had I had no idea. I had no idea that that had occurred yeah. at all. No, neither did I. I thought India and Pakistan had always been two different countries. Mm-hmm. I'm so ignorant. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the fact that we're in the 40s as well, it's like yeah. so recent. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So I learned a lot yes. and I didn't realize, one, I didn't realize that they were two different countries, but I certainly didn't realize that they were split because of religious reasons. Yeah. Down like religious lines. Mm. And I didn't know that what was it like a million million people people died? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But it was centered around a really personal and beautifully told story. Mm -hmm. Once again, falls into like this season is very much about family. I think this is one of, I think maybe the only episode where that it was really sold to me. I think that theme for this season. Um, Yeah, I thought it was. Beautiful. One of my favourite moments of the entire season was in that episode where Graham and Yaz are having that conversation about not being able to view your life while you're in it. Yeah, and yeah, what a like what a gift it is for companions in general to mm-hmm. be able to experience that. Mm-hmm. And like we've seen, you know, iterations of that in the past, and they are always really great episodes. Like I'm like with Rose when I think it's called her Father's Day when she goes yeah. and like sees her dad die like there's things like the episodes like that where you understand while being a companion is wonderful and beautiful it does have this other side to it but that other side while sometimes really hard is also still really important and beautiful in and of itself yeah i I love that stuff when we're really talking about what it means to be able to travel through time and Mm -hmm. space for people Mm. Uh, and the other one was the witch finders uh, which I enjoyed mainly just because Alan Cummings as King James I was very entertaining. As soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck exactly. Yes. <laughs> Gay King James? Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, it was great. And just brought in a a series that had been very flat for me. There's an episode with Lee Mack in it where Lee Mack is completely restrained to being a bore until he is killed. I mean, I thought was, it was wonderfully performed. Sure, but it was like... 
you've got this person who's known. Mm. And like, why I'm not saying that Lee Mack has to be the fucking clown all the time. There just wasn't enough humor or energy in so many of the shows that when Alan Cummings w- walks in and starts doing this King James, I was just like, that, oh, this is, <laughs> it's just a relief to feel that. In the show. What a little perv he is. Absolutely. (laughs) And the conversation that he has with uh, the doctor is also really good as well. Once again, like talking about ideas, which is what I love Doctor Who for. And I think, you know, that conversation is really indicative of, I think, who this doctor is and is going to become more clear to us who, who this doctor is. Is that they're like the empathetic and curious traveler mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm excited to see that really well defined we get moments of it but this doctor to me is not particularly clearly defined which i think is a shame yeah um but yeah i thought that conversation was a good good start to get there i do want to talk about the 30th doctor in a second mm-hmm. one of the things i do want to talk about was something that we understood before the series started that i thought was interesting i, I take at the time but i now think was a mistake mm. There was this deliberate choice to make these episodes mostly self-contained. They were going to have no returning monsters, which I don't think is a problem. You don't have to have Daleks and Cybermen and stuff show up or the master or anything like that. Definitely don't. You really don't. I've got fatigue for those characters. They've been overused, particularly Daleks. Yeah. Um, And Cybermen to a point now too. Actually, Silurians. Cybermen really have never been interesting to me. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But they also chose to have no sort of larger season through lines. It's something that's been... True of most seasons of Doctor Who up to this point is to have something that shapes a season. Mm-hmm. So, Bad Wolf in season one, um, season two, can't remember off the top of my head. There's like these different, the Master in season three, season four, uh, I think it's Daleks again. And all the plants are going missing, mm. and the bees go missing, mm. those sorts of things. Like there's these little mysteries that go through the seasons. They give some shape, some form to a season arc or a season-long storyline. Yeah, this season I was like, what are we doing? Cracks in the wall in the fifth season, fifth series, stuff like that. This has none. Yeah, that's why I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. What, like, what, who, what, when, where, why? There was one little clue given at one stage for something. They talked about the timeless child in episode two, which is not, it's the one, the the Voldemorty bandage things that are talking to the doctor in the second episode. Voldemorty bandage thing. Yeah, there's like these like cloth that are sentient. They're, and they're oh, like, yeah, that's right. Sorry, I blacked out that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the timeless child. Mm. It's like something they get from her head. It's like, that's the sort of nugget we'd normally get in a Doctor episode. It's like, what are they talking about when they mm-hmm. mention this thing, right? Oh, we'll find out later. They never get to that. Supposedly, it'll come up later, I guess. But beyond Isn't that- is she just the timeless child? Well, maybe, but it's not specifically okay. explained. Right. It could be, because what, what, well, here's something that's interesting about this Doctor. This Doctor can theoretically have babies, so it could be her child too. First Doctor to have that in. Well, that. we don't know what genitals they have. I think, I think women's, like female Time Lords still give birth to- but, if, but is there? A, would you need to have sex with a male time lord? Theoretically, we don't know. She might be able to like gestate a child. Gestate, but a child. how sure, do they, Let's go with that. How do they uh, connect their thingies? I, I think it's probably assumed that that thingies are very similar. No, I need to see it. I Con- need to see genitals. Considering next season, the, <laughs> the amount of implied sex the doctor has had with like celebrities throughout time, including Mar- 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 Marilyn Monroe, implies they have things There's like most of us. different kinds of sex, my friend. <laughs> Doesn't always have to be penetration <laughs> with a dick. 
You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm 100% <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll uh, have some videos to show you later. Sure. The, uh, the I've come what we were saying. The, <laughs> I've lost on Time Lord thingies now, Time Lord genitals. Um, anyway, Timeless Child, we don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. And the only thing that does reoccur is Tim Shaw Tim shows Shaw. back up again at the end of the season, which didn't surprise me too much, but didn't really feel like it was particularly round, yeah. well-rounded. Can I just say, I don't mind Tim Shaw being like a villain, a recurring villain. Sure. Particularly because I like the idea of, you know, within the fandom, within the, yeah, the circle of people who enjoy Doctor Who, yeah. referring to that race of evil assassins as Tim Shaw's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's a really cool name for a villain. Tim Shaw, when that bit where she just mishears him, yeah. he's like, Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. It's just like, that's very funny. That was one of my favourite bits of the first yeah, episode. While him showing up in the last episode was cool and sort of suggested like, oh, what happens when the Doctor, you know, doesn't resolve these things? You know, are there consequences for the Doctor not being someone who kills? Is an interesting idea. It, it, yeah, let's talk about that, which was a real issue for me. Okay. So, she lets Tim Shaw go. Yep. Which is the Doctor's thing. That's what she does. Absolutely. Because of that, planets and millions, perhaps almost probably billions of beings... Wiped out. Mm-hmm. Wiped out from mm-hmm. existence. That is a huge consequence of the Doctor's actions. A direct consequence of the Doctor's actions. This no-kill philosophy, which I get. It's a, it's a staple. And it's one that Graham wants to defy. I wanted more of that discussion. That's the thing, yeah. Needed like, more discussion. S- like, that's such a big, important thing. And I, I personally, I don't buy that not killing Tim Shaw is justified. They have, they, in that episode, they did not prove that to me. Nor have, like, they didn't prove that it was the right or moral choice to do that yeah. at all. It was like billions of beings have died. Like, what? And don't tell me that putting him in stasis is a permanent solution. As we all know, within the universe, multiverse, whatever. Anything is possible. Yeah. Anything could just come along. You're like, do, 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 do. Ooh, we're going to let you out. Woo, be free, friend. Like, it, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And while maybe, like, the really important meaty stuff of that is that, like, well, there are no r- right answers, we still need to have that discussion. Yeah. And we don't get it. And I think that's, like, a problem of this series, this 13th Doctor particular series, that we don't have enough talking mm-hmm. about ideas we have monsters of the week we don't get to know anyone we don't have big ideas to find out where people really stand on anything it's just a big ball of nothing so first and foremost the idea the doctor hasn't doesn't kill anyone is bullshit anyway yeah the doctor absolutely has killed people um or at the very least allowed killed people my mom. to die <laughs> allowed people to yeah. die mm-hmm. right that's the idea that she Value or yeah, the, the the doctor values life so much that killing is completely off the table. It's absurd anyway. It's been happened numerous times. I lo- I've always liked the idea the doctor is not interested in guns. Like mm-hmm. keep guns out of it is great. Very thing. Yeah, yeah. Very very cool. Happy mm-hmm. with that. Where you can use a tool instead of a weapon, do it totally. But the idea the doctor doesn't kill absurd anyway. But the idea that yes, the problem with that concept. Yeah, let's suggest that Tim Shaw is saying, "Hey, you kept me alive, and look what happened." 
she does not really consider that for a second that this nope. might be her responsibility or her fault. She just says she's annoyed with him. So, maybe this is something that defines her character, that maybe she's a little bit flippant. Maybe she doesn't take responsibility when she mm. should. That might be something we get to learn about her, which would be new because usually the doctor would... Everything weighs on the doctor. It, weighs, yeah. weighs on it. The choices they've had to make, the things they've seen, all those mm. sorts of things. A lot of tenant, a lot of... Uh, Eleven in particular talked about mm. this sort of the weight of their long life and the things they've had to do and see. You talk about fucking Gallifrey. Yeah. <laughs> if we, there, I mean, that is at the heart of nine, ten, eleven. Is like what happened to Gallifrey and what was their involvement in that fiftieth mm. anniversary special? All about they uh, theoretically committed genocide and killed their entire race to save mm-hmm. the rest of the universe. It is part of their potential. To do that, mm. right? Maybe this is like the aggressive doctor. Maybe After it all that is. trauma, just like going back to like this sort of like infant way of saying things, and yeah. But if that's true, they haven't still haven't explored no, that no, either. They've just sort of let it go. And the thing, one that's of the just head cannon. <laughs> that's got nothing to do with what we're saying. I said I like Jodie Whittaker, but I. I do think this doctor is very one-dimensional. She lacks layers and variety in some ways, and they she definitely lacks. Uh, they're really not looking at or considering the Doctor as a being. One of the mm-hmm. problems I have is that everybody, all the companions, are consistently in awe of the Doctor. The Doctor is so great that she's allowed us to see the universe. The Doctor is amazing. But the Doctor's been a very boring uh, character this season because everybody is in awe of her, and that's boring. That makes her a boring character. No one challenges her. Well, yeah, no one's always, actually interacting with her. There's one bit where, where Graham says, I'm going to kill him. She says, I'm not going to let you. He says, I'm not going to give you a choice. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And it, they never really discuss their ideologies there, except saying that if you do that, you're not traveling with me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like that the character side of things is missing from this. I mm. My analogy I came up with when I was talking to Liam about this was that this was the season of Doctor Who that was most like the magic school bus, where we Miss Frizzle comes and takes us on a great adventure mm. to go and go to somewhere really interesting and our characters learn about the human body. They come back unchanged. They are not affected by this so much. The ca- there was no character. We don't learn anything about Miss Frizzle. We don't learn anything about the kids. They just learnt about that thing they were they were visiting that week. And that's what this season felt to me. It felt mm. like, yeah, we're going to go somewhere so, cool. At least in the Magic School Bus, you actually learned about real tangible things. Well, this was like the- This was a lot of her going... Oh, but like, what does that mean? Oh, I've got to ask myself five questions. Oh, that's the answer. Cool. There's no, in- literally no interaction with anyone else. She yeah. she talks to herself for maybe two minutes, solves the problem, flashes her screwdriver a bunch, and then that's it in every single fucking episode. It's pretty boring. And it's boring because when the, often the doctor, doctor's actions comes down to talking to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. To talking them into changing something or doing something or considering something. So one episode where that actually did happen finally was episode nine. Um, They'll take you away, whatever it's called. Mm. And she has to talk to the, I can't remember the thing's called. The, the solar panels. The, the, yeah. The, the solar tract. <laughs> the solar it, yeah. panels. The solar tract. And like basically say, you want all these people, mm. but you should take me because I've seen everything. Like, I'm way more interested than these people. Forget them. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, she put herself in that situation, sacrificed herself to save other people and did it by using her brains to actually interact with something and convince them that this was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that was more interesting. That was more of a doctor thing to me than, oh, but if I just reverse the polarity, 
which often seems to be... It literally happened in that episode as well. There's a literal <laughs> line about that in that episode too, which is actually <clears> stolen. <throat> oh, yeah, that was a Doctor Who thing originally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just uh, so uninteresting, those problems, those solutions. And the ideas that are in there are so broad and not very well explored. The one with the spiders, there's a... I hate that episode. There's a basic idea about environmentalism because the junk was involved with making the spiders but also it's like anti-capitalist guns, because guns like, are going to get me into the White House I was like what are you talking about what is this what is, is this a conversation that was, would ever happen even in Doctor Who episode best oh it was bad it was, it was like terrible. oh I was going to write down the general idea of the scene yeah. and somehow con- that was somehow confused for actual dialogue yes. and I was like that is not a line yeah yeah I think I think that most of this show is terribly written from a dialogue perspective, from a plotting perspective, from a everything perspective. It's preachy mm. when it does talk about things finally, and it's really broad and boring the rest of the time. Uh, what are some of the other things I talk about? The one where they go to the uh, Kablam, whatever it's called. Mm, Kablam. That was confusing, that episode. Well, it was confusing because on one level you're saying that there needs to be more human beings in the workforce. Automation might be something we need to like mm. think about the consequence of humanity. But then the guy who's trying to make that happen is a radical and then that's a bad thing. But it's only because of his actions that things change anyway. So what's your message? Is your message that we should have martyrs? And who also, are going to- why doesn't the doctor care that the system killed that girl yeah he's like, just like never oh, the, discusses the, it. the system did it because it was trying to prove a point yeah. to you but that girl is innocent it's like she did she was just murdered by the system <laughs> what are you talking about yeah no it's um and i also don't understand why the system didn't just contact someone in charge it's the system yeah couldn't it just send an email be like hey um terrorist here down in maintenance surely there's a better way to communicate this than like if you can control those robot guys, yeah, get them to go into an office and be like, "Oh, good old Charlie boy, bad news, fire him." If you could write, help me on a and thing, send yeah. it to the TARDIS, <laughs> I think you could probably send a little fax, my friend. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and like, and I also, think- I hate at the end where the woman who's like middle management at best is like oh i've just written a letter for 90 percent of like human employees i'm like i'm sorry you do not have that power that is that is not an ending to this episode something that dr who often runs into is its own budgetary restraints and like they're in this huge like <laughs> world that's covered in mm. this factory and it feels like about eight people work there <laughs> it's like, yeah it's so weird it's just like a little startup in someone's garage yeah <laughs> exactly uh did Quickly, also, just want to talk about Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor in general. Mm-hmm. The first episode you said you really liked that as an introduction for the Doctor. Well, that's not what it's. Oh like. no, sorry. It was fine. I mean, I fine. didn't really like it. I was just like, it was kind of dull, but I, un- I understood its purpose to like get new people in. I wasn't sure about her in that role for a while. Mm, I, I didn't was, mind her in it. Yeah. I was really struggling. Just something didn't feel right. And then she had a couple of moments. The bit where she was the vagina broad. We go. Yeah, that's it. Where she was making a Sonic, and I was like, that feels. That feels like. A moment, mm-hmm. and there's her "I am the Doctor" moment, which a lot of doctors have in their first episodes, yeah. which was a good moment. And then the moment she got her costume, it was like maybe this is on purpose, but it was like I could breathe. It's like, oh, there you are! <laughs> I can see you. You were hidden under Capaldi's big black coat thing that was mm. and big black boots in a big black episode with no light in it because it all takes place at night. And I couldn't see you, but now I can see you, mm. and it felt so fucking good. Yeah. And the reason I like the second episode more than the first one was mainly just because I got to sort of see the Doctor be the Doctor. This Doctor be herself a little bit. And that felt good, but it wasn't a great episode. No, I really didn't like it. The Companions. Graham, 
Uh, the I other like- one and the other one. What? <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of an older guy mm-hmm. as a companion. We've had um, Donna's grandfather or whoever it was. Um, I think it's called Grandpa Donna. It's not Grandpa <laughs> Donna. Uh, I'll come back to his name soon, but he mm. was in a cu- the last couple of Tenant episodes. Mm. And I, re- oh. I want to say Rolf or something like that. Yeah, anyway, he was. I really liked him. Yeah, it was great. In the show. He oh, was great. God. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Tenant, the reason Tenant has to regenerate is one of the most heartbreaking oh. things ever. <laughs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> I'll, I, I, uh, <laughs> that's the power of the show, though. The show can yeah, be this emotional, that's right? Why I love Tennant's Doctor because it's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. no, it is. Mm-hmm. And there was none of that this season for me. No. It never reached a place of like character, emotional, like depth, or I don't know. It just wasn't there. Anyway, the idea of an older, uh, retired gentleman as a companion is great. Mm-hmm. Totally on board with that. The I- as a way to deal with grief. Oh, mm, yes. yes. Good stuff. The morning of grace. There was in the last couple of episodes, we definitely get there as well. Mm. The sort of letting go and moving on. It's weird that Ryan seems to not feel much about it. Yep. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was like they were together for like three years or something like that. Ryan's known this woman yeah. his entire life. <laughs> um, he's like, Nan who? You know what? what? He did make a YouTube video. So he's definitely he dealt with his feelings. Yeah. That was an awful start to the series. Um, that bookend was totally unnecessary. Yeah, remember and you telling me that? Very, very telegraphed that it wasn't talking about the doctor. Mm. It was because that was what they were implying. It was always talking about Grace. Anyway, and it was like, she's dead. She has to be dead. <laughs> the entire season, I was like, well, we know she's not part of the companion trio because she wasn't in the promo stuff. Mm. And anyway, and the idea that he was trying sort of that revenge moment at the end where he's the bigger man, that worked for me. His relationship with Ryan. The moments they give them in the last couple of episodes worked well enough for me, but whether they earned that or not, that's a different story. It was, uh, yeah, that's the thing. They, they, I need to see the journey, the growth, in order to have the ending be satisfying. When he's like, Granddad, and I love you. But it's like, this is the stuff where I'm, it, to me, it feels like kids' stuff. Where like, there's no emotional nuance to get me there. Yeah. It's just like, oh, we sure did survive that thing. I love you now. It's like, no, 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 no. I need ugh. the things happening in the episode really need to reflect what's happening internally. Those two people weren't even together in that episode. Like when he first said, oh, well, in the last one he is, but when he says granddad for the first yeah. time, I was like, could we have had these two people together for yeah. this to happen? Mm-hmm. Like that would have helped Yeah, just to have them at the end of the episode say granddad. Yeah. Talk about these great big themes and ideas that seem so larger than life, but what they're really doing is reflecting our own internal world and that's what makes them beautiful. And totally. that is not what is happening this season. Uh, Ryan, mm. he's got that estranged father storyline, sort of, which self-resolves internally without any sort of... Did I nap <laughs> like halfway through an episode and I was like... Where is this dad stuff coming from? Um, he doesn't show up to the funeral in the first episode. Yeah. And then it kind of... He, he gets just a letter. Of, yep. And then he kind of has this moment where he sort of starts to understand his dad a little bit or something like that. Yeah. Like that maybe he didn't want him and... I don't know. It was, he was too young to have a kid or yeah. whatever. He remembered that, oh, I'm, I'm his age now that he was when he I had me. I don't know his dad. I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. At all. 
We've already got this. Hey, this is where oh. Father's Day was a good episode, right? Yes. You know? Oh, was that a good? That was a great episode. Imagine if they'd gone back and met Ryan's dad when he was Ryan's age. Met Ryan's dad as he was about to have Ryan. Met mm-hmm. Ryan's dad when he met Ryan's mum, who we know has passed away as well, and is being a very interesting character to learn about both of those people. Mm. That would be something. That might get us to a place where we understand why Ryan might be able to have some catharsis about yeah. this. On a s- series that is really like family, 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 yeah. family. Because, like, they did something similar with Father's Day, you yes. could even just go back to when, like, maybe when his dad was little. Maybe he had yeah. some childhood yeah, stuff. Yeah, with his Or maybe dad. when his dad was, like, existing while Ryan was still alive. What was his dad doing? Yeah. See what his dad's life is like. Grow some empathy there through that way. Not have a running joke of a man being pregnant and Ryan going, oh, it's hard being a parent. Oh, <laughs> I love you, Dad. Like it's just, mm, no, 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 no. Thank you. His dyspraxia is also talked about in the first episode. It's the def- sort of the opening moment with Ryan, apart from the YouTube video, is him learning mm-hmm. to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. It's a part of how he meets the Doctor. It doesn't seem to really be a big part of what makes of his character at all. It never seems to be a struggle for him ever. No. Well, I mean, I was reading a few comments actually from people who suffer from dyspraxia. 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 Sorry, I couldn't remember if there was an R in there. Um, and they were saying they liked the representation mm-hmm. um, and that a lot of their – and obviously, like, every individual has a very different experience. So, sure. they were just talking from their their own personal experience. Um, but I think it was, like, three comments I read and each was saying that it's, for most people, quite unnoticeable sure. that, they, that they have it. Um, so they like that it was brought up that he has it, but they also get to see him go out and do things. Yeah. Um, which is nice, which I I think they seem to have like a positive experience seeing that. Um, I, I, I don't see any harm in having maybe a bit more discussion about it. Maybe it coming up every now and again. Yeah. I think the only time he's talked about it, he talked about it in, in, um, Kablam. Kablam. When he was talking about, because he worked in a warehouse and it took Mm. him a while to sort of get the hang of things. Yeah. But that was about it. Yep. I know. It doesn't necessarily need to be a focus. No, no. But you know, that a lot of these people were saying that really it's like they're clumsy. They'll run into things. They'll have more bruises than other people. Or if someone throws something to them, they just like simply can't catch it. Yeah. Just little moments like that, maybe here that, here and there. That that, it's not a big thing. Yeah. It doesn't stop him from achieving his goals, but it it's there. It's yeah. part of who he is. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Mm. Yeah, I would have liked a little bit more of that as well. Beyond yeah. that, Ryan, as you said, was pretty flat. Oh, snooze fest. So boring. Yaz. Mm-hmm. What what what's Yaz's angle? What have we got with the Yaz? Well, I thought her being a cop would be a thing. Apparently it's not. Of no relevance to anyone at all. She does have a grandma. (laughs) She has a grandma. She has a sister. She has a mum and a dad. Mm -hmm. I know that. Um, I don't know. I kept thinking about the companions and I was like, because with Graham it was working for me. And I was like, I kind of wish this was like a stepdad. And if you're going to have three... Stepdad and his two kids, they've lost the the mum, the biological yeah. mum of the kids. Sure. And so to get through grief, to come together as a family, they all go off with the doctor. Sure. Because the stepdad doesn't know what to do. Sure. To get his, his stepkids through it. This big, huge, awful thing. 
that could be interesting. Watch this family come together. To have Ryan, a grown man, have weird daddy issues with his step-grandpa doesn't get there for me. Uh-huh. Um, it could, but what they, ha- what they have there doesn't get there for me. I don't know what Yaz is doing there. No. So if they were one family unit, we'll probably work better. It was like Rose's whole thing was sort of she was, you know, came from commission flat sort of thing, mm. you know. It was mm-hmm. never a – no one would have thought she would amount to a whole lot. Yeah. Goes in with the doctor and is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martha, she was always a brilliant doctor and was sort of in some ways just his intellectual equal but ended mm. up finding that her relationship with the doctor was not necessarily a positive experience on her. Yeah. So, that was interesting, interesting. A little like about how the doctor can be a negative influence on people. Mm-hmm. Donna – Again, similar sort of thing to Rose, but not the romantic implications of that. Sort of somebody who really didn't have a lot going on for her, was able yeah. to find something in herself. Yeah, had like this small vision of her life. Yeah. Was downtrodden, told she was kind of pathetic nothingness. Yeah. Um, turns out to be the most important person in the universe. Yeah. Wish she could remember that. Anyway, another issue, another issue. <laughs> I hate the way her story ends. Anyway, go on. The, do you mean the very, very last moment that we get with her at the end of Tenth's run? Mm-hmm. Or do you mean at the end of... Because there's two endings to hers without getting into spoilers. There's the original ending and then Don't give the me the fucking epilogue. lottery ticket ending. The, that's the one I'm talking about. That's first of all, awful. both of them, shit. I like, the first one... I, I don't I like. like it. I don't like it. Because it's her tragic. entire growth was realising her own importance. Yes. Yeah, How that's important why I, and wonderful she was. Yep. That was her growth. To then regress her back to having those small fucking values of having a ring on her finger. Shit. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'll never like it. <laughs> it's tragic. It's tragic. It is tragic. You're and not I know, meant to like it. And I know, I know that. But and it, I know it's good storytelling. Yes. I know that. I respect it. But God, it hurts my heart. Totally. It hurts my heart. But that's the problem with the lottery ticket, right? The lottery ticket, the problem with that is, is that is meant to like replace some of that. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> it's like, what I are you think saying? you knew... What was important about her story. No. Yeah, totally. And so this is the thing with Yaz. I'm not really sure what Yaz is escaping, what Yaz is. Like, yeah, we get those moments she's talking about, like, her experience from, like, a racial point of view, um, especially when we're in the, in the Rose, uh, Rosa Parks episode. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, she got to find out about her, her grandma's history and life. Really not sure what... Mm-hmm. A, She's having fun with the doctor. That's great. But not learning a whole lot about Yaz or what this means to her. Yeah. There was one point where I was like, does Yaz have a crush on the doctor? Some people have suggested this. Um, and that's possible too. But also that's not a character. That's <laughs> that not was, a character though. That was just me. Uh, it piqued my interest slightly. I was like, well, There was cute. a suggestion on Whovians, a TV show where they sort of talk about every episode. Mm. That like she's been very clingy. She won't leave the doctor alone the last three or four mm-hmm. episodes of the series. Maybe she's got a bit of a crush. Yeah. Um, but I wish that was like something real and tangible and not just like, you know, weird fans taking every single moment that they possibly get and be like, it's something when it's actually nothing. Um, yeah, I don't know who she is. And it's like, why have three companions if you only have material for one of them? Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about mm. was just, we already did mention this a little bit, but how this show had never, this series never found that next level. It did the mm-hmm. basic Doctor Who stuff. Sure, it's mm-hmm. definitely recognisably Doctor Who, but it just never found that next level. And the best element of Doctor Who was when the big ideas tie back to the characters. Mind-bending men- scenarios, but the Doctor and the companions... Uh, takes the Doctor and companions to emotionally complex places. Mm. Examples from history. 
<laughs> River Song, oh, The yeah. Girl in the Fireplace, The mm-hmm. Girl Who Waited, The Last Centurion, Amy's Choice, The Name of the Doctor, The Time Lord Victorious, Relationship with the Master and the Mistress, Human Nature, Family of Blood, fucking Donna Noble, as we said. <laughs> Or at the very least, be scary. Mm. So it would be exciting. Weeping Angels, Midnight, The Silence. Weeping Angels. None of those. Th- we never hit anything that even resembled any of either mm. scariness that made it exciting or any of those emotionally complex sort of ideas or mm. places that big ideas that that found an emotional core to tie them down. Yeah. It's interesting that like the notable episodes this season were just like educational programs about history. Like they weren't Because that was if they weren't historically interesting, they would have been as boring as the other yes. ones. Like I was saying like they're not bringing their own unique stories. I like you you know what I mean? Like yeah, they're yeah. like kind of like whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There was one I can't remember what oh, it was the one where they're in Norway, mm-hmm. that episode, when the doctor when they first arrived, the doctor is talking about um oh, I thought we might have been in sometime in the future about like this wo- like woolly rebellion about yeah, how yeah. the sheep and humans were fighting each other. I was like, that episode would have been more interesting than all the ones that have come before. Sure. If they had, because it would have been one hilarious and just interesting to see how sheep were now sentient. Um, I was like, I, I would watch that episode of Doctor Who. That could be really funny sounds and cool. Sounds silly, but sounds really funny yeah. and cool. Exactly right. Yeah. But a bit interesting, perhaps. That was not what I was getting from this season. What else do we get? We got the stuck on a spaceship that's doomed. Been there a million times before. I hate hate it. I hate it. So, so much. It was just a nothing episode. The giant spiders. We've had giant spiders before on Doctor Who plenty of times. This was just a really... Yeah. Listing my two episodes tied for worst episode. (laughs) Yep. Um, The Kablam episode. I, I look at that one. I look at the potential of that one, right? The idea of like... Uh, automation and like mm-hmm. Amazon type companies. I love the design of those robot people. I actually felt something for the people that we were introduced to. I thought the woman in middle management was funny. Mm-hmm. There were like bits in that episode that I really enjoyed. It was just a bit murky or muddied the message that was coming through on that one. But otherwise, I thought it was a fine episode. Yeah, yeah it was fine. I, I, yeah, it just all of these things, I feel like every single one of them has been done before. None mm-hmm. of them were pushing the boundaries in any way, shape, or form for yeah. what Doctor Who was about, except, yeah, I don't know, being preachy, I guess. What else do you have to talk about? Anything else? Um, great question. Oh, I just love that like her being a woman wasn't really an issue, unless it was like in the witch finders or whatever, and she's like, oh, if I was a man, I could just do my job without having to like defend myself. The, that and that's, w- I think that's a perfect summation of like, yeah, totally. The Doctor just does her job and she doesn't need to talk about it. The, Sweet. The, the thing that I always wanted to be expressed by her being a woman is just that people were... They always, so often with the Doctors when the Doctor is male, is just like, take... Just start believing what he has to say mm-hmm. and follow him. Yeah. And I figured that was going to have to be a problem at some stage for the female Doctor. And it was, and it was commented on as much as it should have been. Yeah. I think. And I was like, moving on. Yeah. One, I wonder if they'll do this as much as they have done with male Doctors... Whereas quite often he'll he will go somewhere and people will just fall in love with him. Oh. I, I wonder if that'll happen with a female yeah, doctor. Yeah, I wonder that too. If like men, women, whoever will just like throw themselves at this very intelligent, articulate, heroic individual. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. A few quick side notes. Mm. Number one. 
I love the opening titles. Yeah, the no, new I opening titles are the, without a doubt, the best opening titles the show's ever had. They've, had a, they've changed a lot. Mm, in I think I have to see like a montage of all of them totally. together. And I've examined them closely. I've had my favourites <laughs> in the past. I fucking love these opening mm. titles. They are very different. Like still essentially Doctor Who. Different enough to be their own thing and really cool and like mm. intense. I really like them a lot. Um, what did you think about the TARDIS interior? The new TARDIS interior? I didn't interior? like it. I kind of liked it at first and then the more time we spent there which wasn't much either mm. i was like this is kind of rubbish and i can't see anyone and it's super dark and i don't know why it looks like a cave i don't yeah. like it i don't like it I, d- I don't like it much at all the it's just like a person like preference thing yeah it's but you yeah, know it's it, not for me i don't in some ways i i feel like the tartar should f- at least feel comfortable to be in to mm. some degree it's like their this home. is this is their home right you think of tenants coral mm. thing and that like was it had dark elements to it, but it was definitely felt cozy. Um, definitely Eleven's did. Uh, both versions I thought of Eleven. And then Twelve's got a little bit blue, but I don't know. Because of the way... I'll tell you something I did, actually. Mm. This might be unfair, but I came across a, a montage on YouTube just showing, like, Capaldi's best moments. Mm-hmm. And, like... The little bit of personality and like tit for tat that was shown between Clara and Twelve in the two minutes of that that I watched mm. made me so homesick for that Aww. sort of relationship between the Doctor and their companions. I yeah. really did not feel that that they they w- wouldn't tease her the same way that Clara or Amy or Rory can tease the Doctor. You know what I mean? Or Donna mm-hmm. can tease the, or any of them can sort of like have a friendly. It's not a real friendship. Back and forth. They it don't have a friendship. Feel like it. They're no. just following this god around and in awe of this god all the time. And it's just—it's such a—it's the most boring version of the Doctor to yes. do that. I think. Um, um, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next series when they move away from that. Hopefully, I hope so. Um, what do you think of the Sonic design as well? Do you think much of the Sonic? Um, I think I need to look at it closely to be sure. honest with you. It's a little cold in its design for me. Mm. It's weird, like, curved Count Dooku thing going to it. But <laughs> the thing I like about it is that it's more than just the tip that glows. It's like a lot of it glows mm. when it's on it. That's pretty cool. I kind of like that little aesthetic to it. My favorite little element they added to the Doctor, though, she has a bum bag. It's so cool. <laughs> in, like, episode four or whatever it was, she takes us on of her bum bag. I was like, that's mm. keep that. That is fantastic. You know why? Why? Because... Pockets in women's pants suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, but she mentions that when she first gets yeah. She's like, pockets! It's yeah. like really exciting. Well, I remember saying in the first episode, someone tweets like, like already like totally in with this doctor because she understands how exciting pockets yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, um, women really appreciate pockets for a reason because quite often we aren't given any. I love her costume too. I think yeah, no, I think it's great. really fun. It's great. Uh, do, do you have any side notes? No, sir. Least favourite and favourite episode. What was your least favourite episode, Damas? I had a, a tie. A tie for least favourite. tie for least favourite. That's how bad this season I've is. I've got <laughs> arachnids in the UK. Yep. The gun stuff is so heavy-handed. Yeah. At the end. I, I, hate, I hated that. It was laughable. Um, like him saying, like, this is what will get me into the White House. I was like, what? Who cares? Who, like... Does anyone in that room care that this guy is going to the White House after you've seen the built like the multiverse? Like yeah. it just was so dumb. Um, and also, what happened to the spider in that lady's apartment? They just left it there, didn't they? So, um, 
Yeah, I, the Arachnids in the UK is my list of episodes as well. Yeah. There's some not... It's just a... It's a really poorly written episode. Like yeah. I said, felt like a first draft. There's a bit where they're, the Doctor, like, there's this map with all, like, the different Arachnid mm, thing. Activity, and then she, yeah. And then she goes... It's like, that's the central point. I'm like, that made no fucking sense. Yeah. Who thought that was a good idea? It was so... <laughs> it was like... I'll just put there as a placeholder idea oh, shit, we're shooting now. Guess we're just going to have to go with it and, like, someone had to film around that bullshit. Nothing in episode with nothing interesting going on, very shallow <laughs> messages. And then how does it resolve at all? It does They have this bit where they've got, like, they've sort of done some work, put some stuff together. They're going to deal with the giant spider. He comes in, it shoots it, and then it dies, and then we're just back at Yaz's place, I think, after that. I know, it was weird. It was like it was over. It's bizarre. It was such a weird it's episode. very strange. Sorry, and your other least um, The Saranga Conundrum. Yep. Which I wrote, boring. It had too many characters. I found it frustrating, unbalanced, didn't go anywhere or do anything. I don't know how to care about Ryan and his daddy issues, like I said before. Also, <laughs> one thing that bothered me was about this guy who's pregnant is like if you can't provide a good life for your kids there's nothing wrong with giving them up like yeah. giving your kids up for adoption is not a bad thing no at all no it's like and also ryan you don't know this fucking guy at all yeah it's got nothing to do with you and your dad it's just like that's what i mean like when it's kids stuff like it's so basic that yeah. like you can just like poke holes through it by asking one question 100% agree. yeah so yeah I, I just found that episode i felt like i'd seen about 15 versions of that episode that were better than that episode That's in Doctor Who. just inside Doctor Who. The thing yeah. is, well, the, so many of those episodes, though, again, what Doctor Who's amazing at being, is being anything. And that was standard sci-fi bullshit that mm-hmm. I've seen even outside of Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, this is just not Doctor Who level stuff. Yeah, so that's that's my, my tie for least favourite. Uh, what was your favourite episode? Demons of the Punjab. Cool. Um, just because, yeah, I had no idea. It was educational, poignant. It was talking about generations, about being separate from your experience and how that's a privilege that companions get. I love that kind of stuff. The scene with Yaz and Graham is fabulous and it speaks to the theme of the season and it does it well. So I, I just thought it was a, a really, really wonderful episode about family, about something that I mm-hmm. d- knew nothing about. And I also think... Well, I loved um, the witch episode, I thought that the sci-fi element of that episode actually kind of detracted from what I'd been enjoying before. Sure. Whereas I think this one really tied in a sci-fi element with a historical thing much better. That was an interesting concept, the idea of them witnessing mm-hmm. like these people that had gone unwitnessed, basically. Yeah. The fact that you and I didn't know anything about this yeah. part of history, I thought that was very poignant mm-hmm. and was like... It was really well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that as well. My favourite episode was episode three, Rosa. Um just a yeah, very poignant episode. I thought that moment at the end with Rose on the bus was really well handled. Mm-hmm. It could have been bad and handled really, really well. I like the Doctor's little Doctor being Banksy bit quite funny. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I? I like, yeah, I like when she makes little jokes. Yeah, <laughs> Those bits were very good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the villain was shit, but I did like this whole like neutered spike thing going on. Um like with the Nugent chip in his head. Like, oh, right, yeah. Um, and I, I liked that concept. Wish it was explored a lot more. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I just came away from the episode 
like oh this is this is cool this is my this is my first mm. great episode of the series oh. i hope there's more of this they should have i wish there was somehow they could have got like the technology from that prison to neuter them and then given that to Tim Shaw. Well, so he's still out there living, but that, he just can't kill. That guy's still around somewhere. It was yeah. like, it felt like there was talk that Tim Shaw would come back. I was like, this guy should come back too. Like, mm. they feel like there's more going on here. They brought back the sniper bots from episode two for some reason, but like. The sniper bots, I can't shoot. <laughs> so, why is that a thing? <laughs> Where you've got them approaching uh, Ryan and Graham from one side and then from the other side and then duck and they'll shoot each other. <laughs> sake guys uh do you have any predictions hopes or concerns going forward i hope we just have a better understanding of who the doctor is i hope they actually are able to develop friendships i hope they take some uh, braver choices in episodes and i hope there is a through line story next season i'm gonna say something really bold oh this, this might be a little bit this is me overreaching but fuck mm. it Oh, keep Jody, keep the companions, get rid of Chibnall. I do not think he's a good fit for Doctor Who. He wrote seven of the ten episodes. Maybe he just shouldn't be a writer then. I, I just don't. Yeah, maybe, but I just don't think he should. I really don't think he's well suited for this show. I think the writing was really poor throughout. He put his name over most of it mm-hmm. and a lot of it is bad. In fact, the three episodes that we like the most, he didn't write or was only a co-writer on. Mm-hmm. Every all of the bad episodes that we don't like, he was the writer for. Yeah, no, I agree that he's not a very good writer. I just think, yeah, I don't know, because that's that is a trend that happens with Doctor Who when a showrunner starts, they pen most of the episodes in their first season. I don't think that's true. I think Stephen Moffat shared it around a lot in the first season he was there. I think he wrote the first one, the end ones, and then. One or two in between, but they were thirteen episode seasons, not ten as well. You know, he wrote so his first season yeah. was a season where he wrote either the majority or the most that he ever wrote for oh, a season. Oh, the most he'd ever written yeah, yeah. for a so season. Like, definitely. So that's so that's a pattern of how Doctor Who starts. I just I just think like give him another season. I doubt he'll write as much next season. And the thing is, like, he could be a really competent showrunner. He's just not a great writer. So I don't think you need to like Well, the thing is, I, I just don't think that as a showrunner, he's done much of a job either though. Like he, um, let's have a look here. One, two, sorry, I'm just going back to the other season. Three, four, five, six. He wrote six of the 13. So he wrote half. Mm, but that's quite a lot. That, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, less than half. And Chibnall wrote <laughs> two thirds. So mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a, a fair bit more to have penned specifically. Yeah, but then as you look as the seasons go on, Moffat writes less, which will happen. And it happened with Russell T. Davis as well, happened with Moffat, and will happen, I am assuming, with Chibnall. Okay. I think like one more season. I there was There's nothing about the way this season was structured about, mm. like, in terms of a showrunner, it's the person who is guiding the ship mm-hmm. that made me have any hope for the show going forward, though. Right. It was missing the basics. St- Moffat's first season mm. was, I think, is my favourite season of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like, he went in with ideas, hit the ground running. He yeah. knew what he was going to do with the girly weight. He had the cracking time stuff, had the Rory stuff. It was all there. He has... The Amy's Choice episodes in there, which is fantastic. The 11th Hour is a fantastic opener. The stuff with the Pandorica is great. Like, River's in there as well. There's so many huge, big ideas, and it comes to a pretty poignant moment, mm. I think, with the wedding at the end. It was always building to that. There was a thing there. Mm-hmm. 
there's oh, there's no, no, there's no denying there with that Chibnall. Moffat is the best showrunner the show's had. Oh, I but, think there's arguments to be. I don't. I don't feel this way myself. But I think there's arguments for Russell T Davies was a better showrunner. I think there's mm. valid arguments that he was a better showrunner right. in some ways. I don't think I agree with that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess so. I mean, there's an argument for everything. Sure. But- <laughs> there's arguments. The chimney's the best one. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. No. No one's arguing that. <laughs> um, yeah. I. I don't know. I worry about chucking things away too quickly. I think. I. I just. I came away with no thought about what he wants to do with the Doctor, with mm-hmm. what his thesis for this Doctor is, for the show even, mm-hmm. except the only mission that ever made sense to me this entire thing was let's reintroduce the Doctor from the ground up, start mm. basic, work it up over three or four episodes to so that it's easy to follow if you've never done it before. I, there's nothing beyond that that's sent... I've no, no sense of a vision mm. for this Doctor and that's the bit that worries me. We need If we've got a new showrunner, it needs yeah, to be no, a fresh I, I, take. I, I understand your concerns. Yeah. I do. And I and I, I share them. I genuinely do. But you want to give him a bit I, more I time. I would like to give him a bit more time. Yes. I don't know. My worry is the Doctor Who is always feels like it's on the verge of one or two bad seasons and it's cancelled. Like it goes oh, away. Really? It's, it's expensive show, right? It's right, not a cheap yeah. show to make. Mm. And if it's like it's not going back till twenty twenty now, um, it has been doing since the Davies era. It's been doing a Christmas episode. Every single year, even in the seasons where we don't have a season, see, you mm. have a season. We have Christmas episode. This is the first one we don't. Yeah, you couldn't put one episode in the snow. You couldn't do one thing to make this Christmassy. You had to go do a New Year's one. Maybe the New Year's one will be great. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. But mm-hmm. it, at some and like that's a new idea, I guess, to not do a Christmas episode. But I don't know. I just I'm, I have very little confidence. Mm-hmm. And like Broadchurch, the thing as well. I don't love his previous Doctor episodes. I love season one of Broadchurch. Season two wasn't great. Yeah, no, agreed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a guy with a track record of making great stuff. He made one really great season of a television show. Mm. Yeah. So, my confidence is low on the guy already. Mm-hmm. It's even lower after this series. I feel like there's got to be someone out there that's maybe not as well known as Chris Chibnall who's got a burning passion and an idea on how to shape Doctor Who that maybe is a bit risky, a bit out there, might not work, but at least would be having a fucking swing at the fences. And I... Why is the show coming back in 2020? Why is it taking so long? And my thought is they're either getting rid of Chibnall right. or they he's like, I need some time because I don't know. I don't know, know if they get rid of him because wasn't viewership up like 40% or something viewership ridiculous? Viewership was, sure. Mm. But does that mean... But Isn't that what they care about? I mean, you're probably right. That is enough. Yeah, viewership definitely was up. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Tough position to That's be in. That's literally all they care about. Okay, on that depressing note, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, where I've been tweeting out... Uh, really morbid thoughts while watching um, my niece in a play today. That was a bit weird. What? I just had a moment. I don't know why. My brain. I just had to tweet it because it was such a weird brain moment. Are you talking about kids dying or something? No, what are you talking about? it was just a weird thing where there was it was a room full of people that were aged between five to twelve, basically, mm-hmm. right? And my brain just went. Every single one of those kids was born after nine eleven. Was where my brain went. <laughs> I was like, why is my brain doing that? That's a weird thing. That's true. It was true. It was true. Hmm. Not incorrect. Just 
why did my brain go? We thought of yeah. yeah, yeah. Was the play about nine eleven? No, it was like <laughs> it was a dad joke filled version of Robin Hood. It was like uh, Bugs Life mixed with Robin Hood filled with. Dad jokes. It was quite entertaining. I love actually. it. Actually, my, my brother and I hacked yeah. ourselves. We th- the, all the all those. It was it was written. You know, in the first season of Mrs. Maisel, um, the guy in the deli uh, that like mm-hmm. writes the jokes for it. Mm-hmm. It's just full of really like yeah. old line jokes. <laughs> that guy wrote this play, and it was brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. What, what about you, Damask? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymu. M A S K Y M double O. I don't know what I've been doing. I don't know, hanging out with my cat. Probably instead something about that. We a couple of people have found our Instagram now mm. and followed it this week. Oh, we should probably start putting some stuff on it, right? Because <laughs> people are following it now. Good to know. So thanks for that, listeners. Mm. Uh, our next episode, we're back to discuss the marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two. Yay! I'm so excited about yeah, that. Me too. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.